welcome to the International Women's Day podcast series two. In 2022, the theme is Breaking the Bias. So following on from exploring feminism in series one, this podcast aims to explore how we break the bias in the divorce arena in the UK. I'm Kerry Griffiths. I'm a proud feminist and I'm also a financial planner who works exclusively with women divorcing wealthy and powerful men. So you can probably guess why this is a topic I want to dig into. I'm interviewing some leading academics, lawyers and divorce coaches to uncover where the bias in divorce shows up and debate how we can create the change we feel we need to see. So hello, welcome along to this edition of the Breaking the Bias in Divorce podcast. I am delighted to have a male voice today. I've got Tom Nash, Mr. Divorce Coach. He's a divorce and separation coach. He specializes in co-parenting and blended families. He's also a YouTuber and a podcaster, so I'm feeling a little bit under pressure. Um, And he's a renowned speaker. In fact, um, the last time I saw Tom, he was speaking on stage at the Divorce Fair. So Tom, I'm delighted to have you here. Welcome. Thank you very much for having me. Um, and I was uh, yeah equally as excited to be on your podcast as well. So thanks for having me. <laughs> Thank you. So Tom and I um, are going to talk today a little bit about breaking the bias, just in general terms, where we see that in divorce in both our financial planning and our coaching backgrounds. But also then I wanted to see if we can dig a little bit into the male perspective on this. So we'll talk a little bit more than we have in the previous uh, podcast episodes around how this bias shows up for men. Um, Because while this is an International Women's Day series, I do think it's really important that we have that perspective. And I think it can help us um, really understand our own position when we really have some empathy for the other side as well so Tom let's just start with a real general one um and and from your personal experience and from the people that you work with do you want to tell us a little bit about where you see the bias in divorce uh yeah I think it can be uh, it can really vary um I think one of the things that we were kind of first touching on when we spoke about this is about the societal biases, we were talking about it earlier, weren't we? Um, the unconscious biases as well, I suppose, that people have, those things that we've been taught or learned behaviours to have a bias perspe- uh, perception or assumption of. Um, I suppose, I know that uh, I was listening to one of yours already earlier today um, about the about the Gold Digger one, which is a great episode. Yeah, it's a great and again, episode. That assumption there that mum or or, or or the women of divorce were just out for the meal ticket financial meal ticket as you say um and then obviously on, on the other side that dads or dads or even society views that men don't raise the children um and aren't the nurturers or or the caregivers um and i i see a, I, I see huge shifts in, in in different areas of different biases around those kind of stereotypes towards parenting um society views and and things like that i think even if you think slightly further back from where that comes from is things like um think about any disney classic for yeah. example wicked stepmother so if you're a stepmother you are automatically conditioned to be told that you're wicked if you look at any of the single dads in any old disney movies they're heroes they're hero single dads due to a sudden death of the mother it's not because of a, a, a separation so again or, or something like that so you, it's where those different views and those biases come up through different areas of society and what we're kind of told we should think and feel and believe. Um, 
I think there's also, again, societal view, if you're talking about it in that perspective, that even take extenders, for example, somewhat or something like that, a divorced mum typically is, would be portrayed in media and mainstream society as going and seeking the right help and the support of her friends and family and focused on the kids. Dad would typically be depicted as going off the rails, drinking too much, partying too hard, sleeping around, all this kind of thing. And I haven't even thought about that, but you're so right. That is ac- exactly what we would say. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that it's also... I think what I see in the work that I do, and personally from my own divorce, I was, I, I used to work in the city. I left the house at what, 6, 6.30 in the morning. I got home at 8, 9 o'clock at night. I was doing 50, wow. 60 weeks. Uh, had two young boys. I, when I was married, I was a weekend dad. I was a McDonald's dad. <laughs> um, but it was that experience of my own divorce and separation and, and going through that process and child arrangement hearings and all that sort of stuff that was the self-reflection part for me to go, actually, I, I want to be a present dad. I want to be more involved in the lives. I want to do the school run. I want to iron the uniform. I want to be at parents' evening. Um, and I think- an impact for you, Tom, divorce? I know it's not something you necessarily would have chosen, but do you feel that another bias in divorce is that it's it's a negative thing, but you, you sound like it's been a positive experience? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's had its ups and downs as the, as they always do but I think it's suppose it's what you make of it and then where you want to go from there uh, and and how you also want that to be for for your kids I mean ultimately the people that you'll get the feedback from about whether this experience was a good experience or a bad experience will be your children Um, and that again from from that perspective putting it back into biases as well as about how what bias are they going to take from it what's this experience going to teach them what unconscious biases or assumptions will they learn um and one of the things that i'm really passionate about is that my four kids my, my i've got four two two for my first marriage and two step kids as well uh is that they take a positive experience that actually sometimes relationships break down sometimes some, sometimes the romantic side of a relationship doesn't last but actually you can still find a way to work together and you can find a new relationship and a new form of trust um and actually put other people in the center rather than in the middle a great way of looking at it Tom there's a lot to unpack in what you said and one of the thoughts that I had um when we talked about East Enders side of things and that man going off the rails and getting you know drinking too much um that bias conscious or unconscious um how does that play out with the type of clients you get? So, you know, if we were to think about um, the support that people need during divorce, getting coaching support is absolutely fundamental. And then yeah. get enough of that, Tom. Um, I mean, I, I work with both men and, and, and women. Um, very commonly what I see. You get a mix of um, it, it, it is, yeah. I mean, it, sometimes it's swayed slightly one way or the other. Um, I mean, initially, I, I did have quite a lot of male clients, and then it kind of swam, and I had quite a, quite a lot of female clients, and now it kind of sits somewhere in the middle. Um, interestingly, I, a lot of the mums that I work with, um, a lot of mothers that I work with, they're actually coming to me because one of the things that they really want is for the dad to be more present. I also, yeah. on the flip side of it, I also get the dads who are dying to be present and want to be 
uh, an active role in, in their kids' lives. And sometimes you kind of wish that those were the two parents that were separating because yeah. they better work together. Um, so again, I think that can sometimes create some kind of maybe unconscious biases around who, who's showing up and which ways. And I think the other thing to think about, you say about like the men come and seek coaching, that they absolutely do. I'm a huge advocate for there being more male divorce coaches. It, I suppose in that way that the my industry as a divorce coach is actually quite biased towards women. There's majority female. You're the only male divorce coach I actually know, and I know lots of divorce coaches. So yeah. you are you the only one, Tom? Have you met another you? There is. Um, I've never met another me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, there are a handful of others, um, which is great to see. Um, one of them I've been working with for a little while um and but there, there definitely needs to be more and again i think even if we go back again it still links to society-based views of men don't talk men don't talk about their emotions men don't seek that external help well actually a lot do it's just that it doesn't get as publicized or vocalized and i honestly think that the pandemic the last few years where it's been normalized talking about mental health because we all have mental health good or bad i think that that process of everyone, the whole world being in lockdown and how it's all impacted us has helped to destigmatize things that about people wanting to talk and seek help. Um, again, I get this, uh, this comes up a lot with lawyers as well, where they say, well, how do I introduce someone to you? I've got a client, male or female, how do I introduce yeah. them to you? Because if they say you need to talk to someone, or I think you should talk to someone. And unfortunately, whilst I don't agree with this, Unfortunately, whilst you, if someone mentions the word therapy or counselling, the stigma walls come up. There's nothing wrong with me. Yeah, I don't need. Yeah. To, I don't need to change. I don't need to do anything. There's no problems. I'm not. I'm not crazy. I'm not broken. Right? I'm not broken. Yeah, I'm not broken, etc. Um, I think that's where coaching is slightly different, and then people can see actually that it's not about just working with the past experience. It's also about where you're going to go from here, uh, and how you can move forward and work through it um so again i think that that started to have a, a bit of a shift and to help people work and look at things differently i definitely do i think one of the things that we've been really good as a profession as a divorce profession is um creating an environment where there's holistic support um yeah. so like you say it's it's so common now for legal teams to ensure that their clients are getting financial and emotional support um, and then vice versa you know for me if I'm working with a client who hasn't sought their legal or emotional support that that kind of working together that having a team around you is a really important part for a client I think it's becoming you know one of our strengths as a profession is that that we have that hand holding for our clients and I think the other thing that is just really important that we get out there is that divorce is like grief isn't it you know it's a major life change and loss um yeah. and actually to to seek coaching at this juncture is a really logical thing to do really logical yeah. and sensible thing to do it's not an emotional thing to do it's logical I mean, if you put it into the context of like the, the workplace as well and how that impacts. So with a, let's say, a traditional grief cycle like loss, um, a loss of a loved one, um, the number one most stressful thing that life experience that anyone can go through, um, the impact on productivity in the workplace is around about 20%, 25% for the first um, 0 to 6 months. Divorce is the second most stressful thing life experience that people can experience and endure. Um, 
and that can have up to a 45% drop in productivity for the first 12 months. For the 12, uh, months, for the 12, months, for the 12 to 24 months, it's still 20% below pre-divorce productivity. Um, and then li linking it to bias, linking it to bias is it does kind of come back to things like those, those societal views on gender roles, parenting, etc. I used to work in the corporate world in the city for years. And as a working dad, if I was to put my hand up and say, one of my kids is ill, I need to go and pick them up, etc. Well, the point of view from the corporate world back then, and I, to some degree still now, would be, well, can't mum do it? Why, why are you going? No. And then until you have that kind of equality, because one of the things I was reading on your Instagram recently was a great post about where equality isn't sameness. Um, and I love that quote. It's like five, a five pound note and five pound in coins have the same equality, they have the same value, but they're not the same. Um, and when we start to think about it in that context of how we see divorcing couples, divorcing parents, all those biases in the workplace, in the courtroom, etc. Um, it's about shifting those and accepting each situation as uniquely as it is. And I think, again, those gender roles where more men are, and again, maybe the pandemic's had an impact on that, more men are staying at home looking after kids. There are more women that are the breadwinners and the higher, higher wage earners and, uh, and building their careers, that we also need to shift that bias and assumption around who's making the money and who's looking after the kids and what that will transpire after. Um, I think it's also one of the reasons why there's problems with something like child maintenance service, for example. The, the yeah. conception of it is fantastic and there does need to be something, but is, that, is the current status quo fit for purpose? Because it was designed for a very different world when back then mum mum would typically be the main, the main child carer. Uh, and dad would be the typical higher earner. Uh, so it absolutely needed to be there then. But so again, does that bias need to shift as well? That's a really interesting perspective because I work with a lot of women who are still the main um, child carer. Um, yeah. But after divorce there, one of the things I don't think is kind of really thought through or understood in the wider society is that after divorce you know the aim is to get to a 50 50 childcare situation in for most couples you know that's kind of where they try and get to um but what that actually creates is opportunity for those women who have been the male child carer um that, that they usually grasp and so that there's this period where you know maybe there's three days a week where she can work as long as she wants during those hours you know have a really condensed week and actually really start to produce an income that she wasn't doing before so that has that has massively shifted yeah. that's also an opportunity there for dad who maybe wasn't the original primary caregiver to step up to his responsibilities to learn how to wind the school uniform to make the lunches to everything around the household and to be an active and involved parent not just a disney dad and I do think this, the, the way the 50-50 setup works is it does allow each party to condense working hour and condense family time. So you can really give the quality time where it's needed. You know, when your children aren't with you, if you're working 12 hours that day, when you're 
with the children, you, you can do school drop off and pick up because you've kind of worked your hours around it. And it's a, it can be an opportunity. One yeah. of the things that I wanted to ask you a little bit about, Tom, um, is a bit of an unusual one, this. Um, and probably very linked to the type of women that I work with. So I work with women who are divorcing wealthy and powerful men. And in my conversations, because probably a little bit of my experience and my qualifications, narcissism comes up a lot. Not that I'm diagnosing people, but my clients approach me and they have often diagnosed their ex. They kind of said, he's a narcissist, nothing official, but that's kind of where it's come from. I'm really interested, Tom, do your clients, your male clients come to you with this baggage? You know, is there ever this kind of, accusation being thrown at them that's kind of not you know got no bounding or that they're struggling with is it something that in recent years you've kind of started to experience yeah yeah um quite a lot unfortunately um I've spoken about this before with um I think you know her Dr Supriya McKenna oh yeah yeah uh, yeah yeah uh I've spoken about this with her before as well uh and actually where one of the things that's actually quite scary about where certain phrases get thrown around and get used narcissism um really serious phrases when people throw around parental alienation um or if they're trying to understand when they've utilized the word of some of some kind of abuse and this is something that uh, dr previous thing about as well in actual fact that it, where those terminologies get overtly used it actually unfortunately has a real negative impact because it dilutes the severe severity of it for people that are getting really impacted that actually are being abused that are being gaslighted by a narcissist that are being alienated from their kids um now i do have quite a lot of men that come to me who are in bits because they're having certain accusations made um and they're really struggling to come to terms with it and it's they don't understand maybe necessarily where it's come from so sometimes we do have to go through a process of bit unpacking and seeing is there are there elements of this yeah. um of that accusation um but again uh, i'm not a specialist in narcissism um however i know that people with on the four main spectrums of narcissism wouldn't seek external support uh and the fact that i have quite a few guys and dads that come to me going i've been accused of this like i okay we, we weren't very happy and i had an affair or whatever it might be um but that's that that then I'm then questioning themselves and actually that that, that can really put them into a, a, a real spin and there's loads of different studies out there but about how men are twice as likely to suffer from anxiety and depression following a divorce than women again this all might have a, a direct correlation and I haven't done the studies to the fact that men traditionally haven't talked about their emotions and what they're going through typically and again that societal shift and those things that are changing that 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 can all have a knock-on positive effect uh, but yeah it, it, it comes up unfortunately all too often we think that it's a bias that we probably are going to need to become much more aware of because this element of divorce is one that is gaining traction you know there's a lot more um, awareness of these toxic personality traits and I do wonder what the fallout like you say will be for those innocents involved in that kind of picture where there are some fingers being pointed that aren't necessarily pointed at the right people or there's misunderstanding so yeah it's interesting that that's come up the other thing to consider as well and take into account is 
a lot of the time it's not always and your experience this as well it's not always actually separating or divorcing parties either that are causing the contentiousness or the issues or the accusations or any of the negativity it's the surrounding support network it's the friends and family who have had their own negative experience either in childhood or even adulthood and it's their story that's then actually being portrayed onto and especially when you're in a place of weakness and uh, and panic and despair and don't know the wood, constantly the wood for the trees and you go to your nearest and dearest you love ones your friends and actually they'll pick you up make sure you get out of bed and have a shower and go to work and have something to eat but then they're also trying to help you through the process um and actual fact if they've had a negative experience that still isn't it still hasn't been dealt with that's going to come out in your experience as well and you'll start taking on that um that was a personal experience of mine um as well uh and i mean me and my ex-wife we're really really good friends now i think it's international women's day today i did a post for her and my girlfriend today um mm. about their, their friendship that's uh, that's blossomed over the years um but again back way back when when things weren't so uh, weren't so lovely um a lot of my wife's decisions weren't driven by her or mine and her discussions we would come to an agreement um that put the boys at the center and was best for the boys and it was it wasn't let's say 50-50 um but it worked for the boys let's say it was 60-40 from a percentage mark on it but that's what the kids needed and that's what me and mum could work together on but then outside influences would come in and it would go straight back the other way now you can see them every other weekend for 2 hours a day or whatever it might be so that there's also that bias that's an in, and not an unconscious bias but an impactful bias yes. from out, from outside influences I think that's one of the ones that we need to be so mindful of. I certainly think that there is this gulf of misunderstanding about what is right for a couple, you know, it's exactly as you're describing, but also what the law says. And so exactly as you're saying, you're kind of the people who are meant to be holding you up and supporting you have some preconceptions about what they think is right, but also what they think the law is. And then we end up in a situation where you can be influenced or feel under pressure um, or have or start to create a perception of what is fair that is quite far away from the law. Because we said before this podcast, didn't we, Tom, that actually the law is pretty fair, you know, that it's... Yeah. You know, it's we're, we're, we're not lawyers, are we? We're, we're, we're not yeah. legal experts, but I, I suppose with our combined wisdom of experience, um, the law is written with a quality of mind. It is equal and it is fair. However, the other thing we spoke about was how it's applied and utilised is very different. And that's where the bias can come from and the blaming and the finger pointing, the accusation and, 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 and again, um, how that kind of feeds into things. And you can drift from that point of fairness to, yeah. to kind of yeah to quite some extremes there as well um and actually i think at the biggest extremes kind of what i tend to see is i tend to see women thinking that their ex is hiding assets and yeah. then and then the other extreme men feeling that women are out for all they can get and the kind of once you in that position where you think that's going on, it's really hard to actually get to that equality point again and kind of put the children first and kind of think about what is fair and equal there, because that suspicion has been kind of 
pushed. Um, is that is that something that you experience, Tom? Do you, the men you work with come to you um, feeling that they've got to justify that they haven't hidden assets? Because nearly all my clients feel their exes are hiding assets, and it's very rarely founded. It's just a fear. Yeah, yeah. No, you're right, and it, it is it's fear based, um, and a lot of let's say, I suppose on the other side, if I'm working with the with, with the, the the guy on the counterpart of that. Um, what the suspicion that they have is that actually and again because i predominantly work with parents because my kind of my passion area my passion focus working with parents um is that is or are the children going to be used as a pay-as-you-go parenting tool so actually if i give more i'll I'll see the kids more Um, and then that that again that becomes an assumption that creates this uh, this bias that didn't necessarily need to be there and again all driven out of fear um uh, and uh, and ex- outside influence expectation horror stories i've read online um i have a lot of again dads some mums but i have a lot of dads that come to me that have said that they've read horror stories online facebook groups etc about um or they make dave down the pub about things like um Kafka's being involved or whatever it might be and things like that and that the family courts uh, when it comes to children don't favor dads um and I did have to I said this to a client once I said if you go onto Wikipedia or whatever it is and have a look at a review of a hotel or a restaurant more often than not they're negative reviews because the people that have got the time to go and write a negative review who who, who have maybe had a negative experience just want to whinge and want someone to tell them they want to they want to share very very few people go on and write the good review oh my god this was fantastic this was amazing yeah, <laughs> so in that context you're not going to see someone going on going oh i spoke to kafka they were fantastic great job me and mum sorted everything out you're going to get the ones that are going to go on there saying no the courts didn't recognize me they didn't they don't favor dads etc because the ones that are having the good outcomes and the good stories do exist they are out there i see it every single day they're the ones that they're not actually vocalising that story because they're going off living their life. Getting on with it. Yeah, that's a really important point. So, Tom, I've got a hard question for you now, a really hard one, and you might not have an answer. (laughs) But my question is, what would you change? If you could wave a magic wand, how could you make this better? Uh, The bias or...? bias, yeah, the bias. Okay. Just generally divorce, you know. <laughs> well, two answers to that. Then I'll give. I tell you what. I'll give my girlfriend's answer. Oh, so yeah. Yeah, yeah. Donna's Donna has a theory that um, you should never have children with the, with the, the love of your life, the person you want to marry and spend your life with. You should only have your children with your best friend, someone that will equally love and care for your children just as much as you. But you can also cart them off halfway through the week whilst you go and enjoy some adult time with the love of your life. Aww. So that that's Donna's theory. Um, uh, my thought, my magic wand. Um, again, I've spoken to some lawyers about this. I'm pretty. I know it's a Scandinavian country. I'm pretty sure it's Sweden. So I'll double check this and Google it. Um, but there is a Scandinavian country um, where the they upended the family court system many years ago. And I'm talking from a parenting perspective at the moment. My yeah. my area of expertise or forte. Um, and actually you automatically both parents automatically have an equal shared responsibility for that child i know we have equal we have shared parental responsibility here in the uk 
But over there, it's different. You actually have to go to the family courts and prove you shouldn't have your children half the time. Now, obviously, with the caveat of safeguarding issues. So, of course, if there is safeguarding concerns, proven, obviously, experiences, domestic abuse, etc., that's very different. But where there isn't any safeguarding concerns for the child and or indeed the parents, um, you would actually get to go to the court and prove you shouldn't have them. So hypothetically speaking, if I worked on an oil rig nine months out of the year, I would have to go to the court and say, I can only have them for three months out of 12. I'm, I'm not here. Um, so actually that the default is that, no, 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 you two made these children together. You will look after them equally. And it lessened all the contentiousness, the bitterness. It helped organise the finances. Um, it made people like your job a lot easier to be able to work with your clients, do things like your pension sharing, all that sort of stuff. Um, and I thought that was just a very different and unique way to approach it. Yeah, I've not heard that before. Um, they do have a much more forward thinking um approach to family life don't they you know they in those countries and again i'm not sure which ones but we're talking nordic swedish countries aren't yeah. we um where they share parental leave more willingly and there is you know better paternity leave that kind of thing i love that thank you tom tom you have been an amazing guest and i'm really glad that I sorted things out and actually got you on here because um, just to give the listeners a bit of a background, I had completed my podcast and then was like, I have no male view. And I, you know, Tom, and I was like, Tom, quick, let's do this. And so, yeah, it's International Women's Day today. The podcast has launched today and Tom has recorded today, which is fantastic. And I think it was really worthwhile. Do you, Tom? That's been a really interesting discussion. Do you agree? Absolutely. I think about anything we talk about biases um, or inequalities or imbalances, it's about having those conversations. You can't get to the equality without understanding both sides and talking and talking it through and figuring things out. So, uh, no, it's been an absolute pleasure and honour to be the, uh, the male representative um, and, uh, uh, for, for my side of the fence, as it, as it were. <laughs> and there's lots more to explore i'm sure so i'll have tom on my youtube channel too um particularly around the co-parenting and blended families because we hardly scratch the surface there so that would be good to pick up thank you tom have a wonderful evening thanks for having me take care bye you have been listening to the international women's day podcast series two breaking the bias on divorce please do tell your friends and let's keep the conversation going about the changes we need to see